just a little bit about me. I, I taught for some 14 years as a, a lecturer in business management. Before that, I worked for a company called Granada. You may not believe this, but there was a time when people used to rent their televisions. Yeah? Great service, great sets. That's what you get from Granada. Right? <laughs> so I worked for them as a TV rental engineer for many years. And in fact, I actually worked up here in Nottingham at Queen's Park Drive, Port Farms, for a while. And indeed, I was a trainer at that particular time. So I know Nottingham reasonably well. I also now um, have my own training company where I, I basically teach people how to teach, post-16, initial teacher training. And I do that all over the country. In fact, I've been working up at Sherwood, where a company called Fuel, who are in the, into rehabilitating students, particularly those between 11 and 16, who basically get thrown out of school. So that's a little bit about me. I am been involved with the Vineyard for must be over 19 years. I've been with Chris and Fliss laying down at uh, the St. Albans Vineyard. I'm a pastor down there, and in fact, I was what we would have called a non-stipendary pastor. In other words, they got me for free. And I was happy to do that as well. You know, do marriages and preaching and obviously we do burials and all those kind of things. So it was great. But now I will be coming on to staff as of next month as the head of pastoral care because the wonderful Linda Hall is retiring. So the reality is that Chris said to me, now once you are, as it were, in situ, you will not be able to go out and preach because we are paying for you for what we want you here. So I thought, well, I better get this in before then. <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. I've been married for some now to my wonderful Eileen, who is Irish, which means my wife is Caucasian and my children are dual heritage. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I said to Eileen, would you want to come with me? She says, I told her, you know, it's a big church. She says, I don't do crowds. You can go. <laughs> Uh, my daughter is 30 and uh, is actually getting married next year also, and she's a Senko. And my son is also about 25, and he wants to be a, an Olympic athlete. He did his degree, etc., but he trains every day. And yes, he's buff. <laughs> he would be if you trained as much as he did. And there we are. And that's a little bit about us, and we reside in Dunstable. I've also got John and Lizzie. Did you stand up? They'll come up with me. Yay! And they reside in Harpenden and, and a part of our team over at St. Albans. So that's a little, as it were, autobiography done. Now let's see if we can get into the message. Now, what I love about the church, the many things I love about the, you know, Trent Vineyard and the, the church, is when I was coming up here for the NLC conference, I came in and I saw Welcome Home, that strap line. It's the same strap line that we use also at St. Albans. We actually say it to people, if this is the place for you, then welcome home. And when I thought about what I was going to preach, sometimes you struggle. You know, what is it that I'm going to preach? But I don't have any struggle about what we're going to look, look at this evening. The title of the message is Coming Home. Coming home is like reconnecting with who we are and where we come from. It's where our roots are. It's where we are known and make ourselves known, a place of safety. We will examine what it is to receive from God, our Heavenly Father, that love and that affirmation that he wants to give to us. 
However, what we tend to find is that we tend to run away. It's very interesting when you read the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 says this, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and I smite the earth, earth with a curse. In other words, God is wanting to us to come back into relationship. We also look at a scripture here, which is from John 1, 4 and 5. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. And we're also going to look at Luke 15, 11 to 24, the prodigal son. And we're going to pick out some key points from that story. But here's the thing that I realized as I was preparing this, that when we come home, the Lord wants to give us something. He wants to give us three things. We're going to look at maybe just two of them, because this is what a two-week series, which I've condensed into one. The Lord gives us light, he gives us life, and he gives us love. So let's consider the issue of light from the story of the prodigal son. And let's give you the background. Jesus tells this parable how this young man goes to his father and asks for his inheritance before his father died. Now, you may not realize the import of that, but in that culture, to use colloquial language, that was rude. Because you, you're saying, look, I don't even want to wait till you're, you're dead, dad. Give me the money. No, that was Jamaican. <laughs> Give me the money now. Now, his dad was a gracious man. So he gave him the money. And if you know the story, he spent it on wine, on women, and on song. And then it's all run out. And all the mates that he had when he had the money disappeared. And he was so hungry, we read, that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating, the pig's will. Now, remember the import of that. If you were a Jew, you don't do pigs. And you don't do pigs on Friday. So that tells you how hungry he was. He was that desperate. So that's the background. And let's pick it up here at Luke 15, 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So here's the point. He had a moment of revelation and understanding of his condition. You know, you may have, those of you who have children, you may have children who are not followers of Jesus. And they're out there. And it causes pain and consternation to your heart. But let me tell you something. There is someone who is out there working for you. We read in John 16 about him, verses 8 to 10. 
When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin. Because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So who is it who's working out there? It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is out there. He's working. The Holy Spirit comes to draw us to the truth. John 8, 13 says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can hear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now let me just give you some background here. I, my dad started to take us to church. He actually was a Catholic and he left the Catholic church because my brother and I, we want, he wanted us to go to Catholic school and when he asked the priest, the priest said no. And my dad was in shock because he was brought up a Roman Catholic and he was brought up by the, the nuns. They were wicked. <laughs> yeah, they were rough. So anyway, that was it. He left the Catholic church. Now, these turn of events, sounds good, it's a good line in it, that's a nice segue. <laughs> these turn of events were from the Lord, because that was the beginning of my dad's journey to faith. A couple who lived in all, not all, that's south, all north, right? They came down as London City missionaries to North London, to Highbury, and they knocked on the door of the house, and my dad said, speak to my wife. Anyway, long and short of it, my, man, my dad and my mom came to faith. Dad went to Billy Graham Crusade in his early 60s, and we started to go to the local Anglican church, which was at the bottom of the road. And it was an evangelical, as it were, Anglican church, so my dad loved God's word, and he would go up to Westminster Abbey and listen to people like Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and our whole life changed as a family. Because of that event, both my brother and my two sisters are also followers of Jesus, as are my mum and dad. Now, one of the things I learned as, a, as an evangelical, that someone who proclaims the word and believes that God's word is, 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 is what was I going to say? Is God-breathed and is profitable for us in terms of how we live out this Christian faith. One of the things they said is that the Holy Spirit, besides bringing about conviction, was there to give you more truth about the Bible. And I believe that. So when, I read, when you read, those of you who are followers of Jesus, when you read this word, you have someone who's helping you to understand it, the Holy Spirit. However, I began to realize that the Holy Spirit does more than in type, interpret the Bible. What the Holy Spirit does is he begins to reveal the truth about who the Father is. And more importantly, the truth about some of the lies and the fears that we live under. Let me be autobiographical with you or self-revealing. My mum and dad, when they came to this country from Jamaica in the late 50s, as many Afro-Caribbean people did, to work on the railway and on the transport system, etc., they came over too. And my mum knew my dad from Jamaica, but she wasn't that much interested in him. But when my father realized that she was here, he was very interested in her. So they got together, 
And the result of that between 1959 and 1964 was four children, me being the first. So now you know how old I am. I don't look bad, do I? <laughs> God is good, yeah? <laughs> now, when my mum was carrying me, she was not sure whether my dad would stay with her. So as she's carrying me, she's considering whether she should give me away or not. But what was communicated to me was that she didn't want me. Rejection. Also, abandonment. So throughout my life, I was living under this lie that my mom didn't want me. And then one day, God in his mercy brought someone into my life who, through what we would call a word of knowledge, revealed the truth to me and the true situation. That my mom wanted me, but she wanted to do the best for me. So the Holy Spirit revealed the truth that I was wanted. That God had a plan for me. And friends, you will have had situations and circumstances happen in your life, traumas, difficulties, setbacks, betrayals, and in those moments, you will have spoken things into your life which will have limited God's blessing on you, and those lies that you live under will affect your relationships, reflect your, affect the way that you see yourself and see other people. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to come and reveal the lie and then bring the truth to you. And what does the truth do? Well, we, t it tells, we read in God's Word that the truth will set you what? Free. So again, the truth will set you free. So what happens now is as you interact with the Holy Spirit and God shows you something that you've spoken into your life, it's a lie, and you choose to believe what God has said about you, and you ask God's forgiveness for the lie, so you are able to step into the truth. How, how does this work out? What, if you as a youngster, your mum and dad, they broke up, or the father abandoned the family. So you as a young woman see this, and you say to yourself, I will never trust the man. And then you go through your life and you never seem to be able to have a, a good relationship with a man and you, you break it off before he breaks it off. And then you wonder why. It's because you've spoken something into yourself and it will have power and it will have effect. You see, what you need to understand is the scripture says this. Romans 4.17 says, 4, says this. God speaks into being the things that are not before they already exist. You may not realize this, but you have creative power. Your words create life and death. So if you've spoken something into yourself like that, it has power and our enemy can use it against us. But Jesus has come by the power of his Holy Spirit to undo the lies of the evil one because he's the father of lies so that you might know the truth about what God's plan is for you because God 
in his wisdom, came in the person of his son to set you free from all of that stuff so that you can be all that God wants you to be and to do. The work of the cross of Jesus is so that all that stuff that's in your life, it may go into that cross so that you might, by the power of his Holy Spirit, as you walk through this Christian life, come to that place where all the works of darkness, all the lies get undone in the name of Jesus, and you begin to rise up as an individual and begin to step into who you are and begin to walk in the freedom and liberty which is yours in Christ Jesus, and you begin to understand that God loves you not on the basis of your past, not on the basis of your performance, but on the basis of who you are, a son and a daughter of God, not born of the will of man, not born of blood, but born of God, appointed and anointed for purpose in God's kingdom. That's the plan of redemption. And every one of us in here, wherever you are in that journey, God's plan is to bring you to the zenith of your powers so that your life glorifies the Father just as Jesus did as a man in the earth. That's what it's about. And he's working in you and working out of you that stuff so that you can be a son and a daughter who walks with the poise and walks with the authority and walks with the confidence of who you are in Christ Jesus. Now, is that good? Can anybody say amen? Amen. amen. Hmm, yes, good preaching. <laughs> and I'm only getting through the introduction. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> so, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The truth will set us free. What are some of the lies that we live under which we need to be brought into the light? Well, in Luke 15, 19, it says, I had, I, the son said, prodigal son, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, <laughs> here's the point. I am not worthy to be called your son and daughter because. And let me just ask you this rhetorical question. What's your because? What's your because? What is it that you think disqualifies you from being a son or a daughter of God? And some of you who are followers of Jesus, what is your because that stops you serving our Lord Jesus. I'm so ashamed of what I said or done. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Shame is deeply imbued within all of us. We all have things in our lives that we feel ashamed of. And in fact, it started in the garden. Because when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, it says they were naked and they were afraid and they hid from God. But more importantly, they were hiding from each other. Shame is a powerful thing. 
However, what action did the prodigal son take which was the key to his restoration? Luke 15, 20, we read this. So he got up and he went to his father. Because of shame, we often run in the opposite direction, away from God and away from each other. I know in my life, I sin. I'm sure you do too. Okay, I've gone to the wrong place. <laughs> now, when you do stuff, our natural inclination is not that we want to run to, the, to, to church and, you know, if we see one of our brothers and sisters down the road, especially when you know you're not in a, a good, or, well, we tend to use words like, I'm not in a good place. <laughs> you know that? I'm not in a good place at the moment. <laughs> so what do you do? You know the night it's supposed to be connect group or what you call small group, Yeah. So you don't go. And when people try to text you, they, can't, they don't get any reply. You are hiding. <laughs> the reality is, what I've learned, is that what I need to do is run towards the light. What is the light? The light is the community of God's people. Tell them I'm busy. <laughs> the light is the community of God's people. So what we actually should do when we sin, instead of running away and hiding, if I text Chris Lane and say, yes, I'll be at the uh, pastor's meeting in the morning, and then I, I find myself getting into sin, and I don't turn up, he, I'm in this situation, well, should I tell him the truth that I'm getting into sin in a bad way, or should I just be quiet? Now, what I've learned is, it's better to run towards God's people and make confession. Why? Because if we build a community where it's safe to fail, where you know you're going to receive love and mercy and grace, people will come. I have to confess that in the church, general, not this church, general, people do not want to run towards the church. They want to run away. Why? Because the church is a judgmental place. You come and you, oh, someone said amen. That's <laughs> you, what happens is, what you're afraid of is if you go share your stuff, people are like, really? I would never have thought of that. Well, huh. that's what they're afraid of. But we need to be a church where we're not shocked by anything. And they can receive grace and mercy instead of judgment. Now, how do we do this? Well, first, don't stay away from the group. Find someone. If you're in a connect group or in your small group, even within the small group, there should be two or three people that you share your stuff with. Or as I put it, they know the good Dennis and the bad Dennis. We all have... You know, those are the days when you rock, and there are days when you don't. And you need to have people that know both. Right, and this is how it goes. We read in 1 John 1, 
And if you're an Anglican, you would have said this every Sunday, because I was an Anglican for many years. In fact, I was on the, you know, involved in the Anglican church, etc. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just give us our sins. No, sorry. <laughs> if we confess our sins. See, I, I love John's voice. John, this John and John Mumford. You know, that's how I would love to be able to speak, you know, that voice, you know. But I am who I am. <laughs> and I'm really a North London boy, hello, darling, Cockney, really. <laughs> You know, but I've, I've managed to, you know, you know, move up a little in terms of voice. <laughs> but 1 John 9, Ryan says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're pretty good at that part. But go back a bit. 1 John 1, 7, 9 says, God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So this is how it works. You fall into some sin, you act out in some type of behavior which you know is not good for you. It's self-destructive. You confess your sin before God. We all do that. But James 5.16 says this, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Now, let me just put, say here, that confession isn't just for healing. It's, it's powerful because confessing it to God, we can all do. The challenge is we're not good at confessing it to each other because we're afraid of shame. In my own life, my mentor is Derek Fawcett. And when I fall into stuff, I've learned now to get on that phone quick. At first, I had to confess it would be two or three days of mourning. But then I've realized the faster I can get to confessing it to someone and bringing it into the light, the power of whatever that is is broken. Friends, you don't understand. When you have a safe person and you come and you make confession, you don't have to give them all the gory details. You can just say, look, I've been acting out in this particular way. I make my confession before you. God has given us authority as his people to pronounce forgiveness over one another. I can tell you this. When I get on that phone and I just talk to Derek and I can make a confession, I know that I'm forgiven because of 1 John 1, 9. But also, him pronouncing it over me means that the sin is in the light now and the enemy cannot use it to attack me. Hello? Is this making sense? Yeah. So all I would ask you is that in your small group, if you're in one, find one or two people that you can share your life with and they can support you and admonish you and challenge you and pray with you as we do this journey of grace. That way, we're all going to finish well. Because we need to finish well, friends. So, and this is the work of what we call theological word sanctification. This is how we do holiness, friends. We confess our sins to God and we have safe people who we confess it to, who will pray over us. And if we need more help, you know, we use the word ministry, but help, which is what it is, yeah, then we can go deeper. Here's something for you to think about. You think when you sin that it's about the sin. Look, 
God has made provision for your sin in, a, in the person of Jesus. His blood will cleanse and expunge any sin that you've done. What God is interested in is getting to the root of why you do what you do. It's about the root, friends, not the fruit. More often or not, we are, oh, I'm doing this, oh, you know, I'm watching this. Oh, and God said, look, look, whoa, 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 whoa. You are cleansed in the name of Jesus. Come, my son, my daughter. Let's look about why. Let's look at why you do this. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, and he begins to show you. And here's the funny thing, you see. You may not think that abandonment and rejection is the reason why you're doing that. But what Jesus shows you is that you're looking for comfort. And the comfort you choose is self-destructive. So what he comes is he, come, he comes and he ministers into the rejection, into the abandonment. And he comes and he comforts you as a father and he brings in his love and he pours in oil and wine. And what you find is the desire to go to another place to get that satisfied begins to disappear. It's always about the root, friends, not the fruit. Hmm. Wasn't in the plan, but we'll go for it anyway. So then, confessing our sins or the fact that we've been sinned against, because that's another story, but I can't go there. Some of the reasons you do the things you do is not just because of you, but because of what's been done to you. Some of the reasons you do what you do isn't just about you, but what has been done to you. So confessing our sin or the fact that we've been sinned against to one another, James 5.16, brings us into that place where we are now transparent. And in a sense, we're making ourselves vulnerable. Flesh doesn't like that. We don't like making ourselves vulnerable, and we find it difficult to be transparent. I'm speaking about my own heart. But what does it take to be vulnerable, and what does it take to be transparent? One word, courage. Courage that this community is safe enough for you to share your stuff, and you know it's not going to be around the whole church. So walking in the light means you were prepared to be vulnerable and transparent, to tell it the way it is, not only receive God's forgiveness, but receive his healing as we work together in the community. I use this quote, Tim Keller, he says it, we will never know God and grow deeply apart from community. You were never intended to deal with your stuff on your own. But in the community of God's people, as Paul tells us at the end of Ephesians chapter 4, that we should be tender-hearted and kind, forgiving one another, even as we have been forgiven. In the community of God's people, we can come and we can receive God's comfort as we work together on these things. Time to bring it home. The prodigal son had the courage to return home and make his confession. He would have been aware of the fact that leaving his father's house was as Henry Nguyen in his book, The Prodigal Son, I really recommend it, put it, 
What he did was a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured and a break with the precious tradition carefully upheld by the larger community of which he was a part. So here's the situation. As he walked along the roads that led to the village, the people would have been more than aware of what he had done. But this is what the father did. We, we see, read in the story that the father, in a sense, hitched up his, his gown and he ran towards his father, son, to spare him the shame. This evening, the father is here. And he wants to run towards you so that you can bring your shame, you can bring your pain, you can bring your abandonment to him. So that you might experience the sweetness of being received. Because the major fear for us is that if we share it, we won't be received. I remember I had to ring up, I wanted, Eileen and I were struggling in our marriage. And I took courage and I rang Linda Hall. And I said, Linda, we're really struggling in our marriage. We need some help. And Linda said, this is Linda's response, bless your heart. I thought, what manner of greeting is this? <laughs> it wasn't what I was expecting. Because I'd been at churches when you, I told them was, we had problems in our marriage and it was the, the board of elders and oh, no, it was horrible. It was what manner of grief, I thought, what manner of grief is this? It was bless your heart. I experienced the sweetness of being received. And they fixed up some counseling for us, and it was helpful. You know, we're still going, you know, 35 years later. And what I would encourage you is that if you make confession today of some of the stuff that's going on, it's not going any further. God wants to release you from that. Guy I was speaking to this morning, he said, you know, he came up to me and he just said that he made some confession to one of the congregation here. And it's like something just lifted off him. He knew in his heart he ought to tell someone about it, but the fact that he did, it's like something lifted off. The first step then in coming home is when the Holy Spirit shines light into our hearts so that we begin to see the truth of our condition. And also the truth about our Heavenly Father. You may have had an abusive father, but God is not a broken parent. He's not like your earthly father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And he wants to receive you. And he wants to pour into your heart all the fathering that you have never received. He wants you to know that the plans that he has for you are plans for blessing and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. He wants you to know that you are gloriously and wondrously made. And he wants you to know this well. And he wants you to know that the thoughts he has towards you, great are the sum of them. They're good thoughts. He's a good, good father. And he wants to love on his kids. And he wants to love on you. Also, we need to know the truth about the lies and the fears that we live under. That stop us from coming home and experiencing the embrace of the father. Coming home then means you receive his light. You recognize where you are. 
his life, and his love. For many of us, this is the time to overcome the fear of rejection and shame and step into the light and experience a new sense of his love and his affirmation. On this Valentine's Day, Romans 5.5 says, The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God's intention is that you would experience his love. Not just know about it cognitively, but experientially. 